We're glad to have our life kids in here with us today. On the first Sunday of the month, this is Family Sunday. And uh, so we welcome our children in with us today at Life Church. And uh, we want them to be blessed by the Word of the Lord. If you want to stay standing, I'll read for you right now. First Kings chapter number 19, verse 19. I know your legs are tired. We'll let you sit down for about an hour and a half here. Amen. First Kings chapter 19 and uh, verse number 19. It says, So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. I want you to notice this is the story of uh, the calling of Elisha into full-time ministry following after Elijah and ministering to the prophet of God. Now when the mantle fell and when the calling came to them, uh, to, to Elisha, the Bible says that he uh, took the yoke of oxen that he used to plow with and he slew them. And uh, then he took the instruments of the auction, which, oxen, which would be the yoke, the plow, so on and so forth. And it says he used them to create a fire, in essence, that he was able to boil the meat of the ox so the people could eat. So he realized, in essence, that my plow, the yoke that goes with my oxen and my oxen, are not going to be a part of my destiny. And so he chose to slay the oxen, and he chose to burn the plow. And uh, for a few moments today, I want to follow the prompting of the Spirit and preach, burn your plow. Burn your plow. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for the power of the Spirit and the power of the preached Word to transform lives. God, you're the one that chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. And today, Lord, I pray that over the next few minutes, you would grant us your mercy and grace to minister effectively and quickly, mercifully, the Word of God, and that lives would be impacted eternally by it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. If you're real thankful to Jesus, I want you to put your hands together before you're seated and give Him praise. You may be seated. I was uh, blessed to hear the ministry of the Word by Brother Geddes as he ministered last Sunday on our website, wearelifechurch.com, or on our podcast, our Life Church podcast. You can listen to any of the sermons or uh, the midweek lessons that you miss. And I was uh, honored to listen to the ministry from last Sunday, where he declared that uh, you have the power to shift your season. 
And uh, I felt today led to, in essence, hook my wagon to that train that already took off and continue to minister along these lines and in this thought. Uh, he said last week that, uh, that there is a new season that's available for you. If you've been in a time of lack or a time of, uh, uh, of sickness or pain or difficulty or seeing other people blessed but you're not being blessed, uh, that you can step into a new season with new blessing and favor and breakthrough. Amen. Praise God. And I'm so thankful that uh, that is available to us. And just like Hannah of old realized uh, that I have the power through persistent prayer. I have the power through making a commitment to give the sacrifice back to God to essentially shift from one season to the next. Everybody said amen. So if you didn't get to hear that, I encourage you to get online and listen to that. But I want to add today that as you enter the new season and as you step, if you desire to step into a season of favor and effectiveness and prosperity and blessing, there are certain things that you cannot carry into the new season. In fact, if you insist on holding on to them, you won't be able to step into the new season. I remember studying, I think it's an interesting study, to study the history of warfare in the 20th century, bleeding into the 21st century. During the First and Second World War, it was battles of attrition with tanks and large uh, military groups, large armies of men with uh, machine guns, tanks, aircraft, and so forth. And then as uh, warfare transitioned into uh, the later part, the middle, middle to later part of the 20th century, the 1900s, that many of you remember the Cold War. Some of you may be too young to remember the Cold War when uh, we used to have drills at school. Uh, and uh, there was this imminent constant fear that nuclear war could take us out. And there was a mutually assured destruction, which meant if uh, Russia or the Soviet Union at that time would try to launch a nuclear attack on the United States, then we would immediately launch one on them. So it held at bay the likelihood of a destructive nuclear war because of mutually assured destruction. Now, in the Cold War, there were nuclear weapons, there were large armies, and there were big powerful weapons. But those of you who know anything about what's happened in the last 20 years know that we have transitioned, in essence, out of the Cold War and into the United States of America, into what war are we in now? The war on terror. The war on terror. Those who for ideological or religious reasons would wage war and wage terror against the United States of America. And what uh, I've studied before and read is very interesting. They say uh, that you cannot fight the war on terror with Cold War implements and a Cold War mentality. They had to transition the military from something that was big, strong, powerful, to something that was leaner and faster and quicker. Because the old approach that was uh, connected to the old methods of warfare of the 20th century would leave you at a, 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 a noted disadvantage uh, in an effort to wage war on terror. Because uh, the implements of the war, uh, uh, the Cold War, were too large and unwieldy to use in the war on terror. 
In fact, you can read it. They, they say that a Cold War mentality will cause you to lose the war on terror. The point is there are season changes. The, the environment changes. The challenges change. And if you as an individual as, or a corporation or a group is not willing to transition their approach, uh, then they will be rendered irrelevant uh, or they will become obscure or they will have no significance uh, in the new season. So the point of all this is to say that in order to survive as a nation, we had to adapt to the changing environment uh, of of the war on terror. You can't enter into the new season with the old mentality, with the old approach, and with the old implements. You have to be willing to transition in your approach and your thinking to the battle or the, the, the actual things that you're going to be facing in the new season. And I want to tell you today that tomorrow's destiny requires that we leave some things behind and we take hold of some new things. We have to be willing to burn some things to move into the new destiny. Amen. Now, obviously, the values of our country haven't changed. The values and the purpose of the military haven't changed to protect the citizens, to make us a powerful force in the world, to protect the Western Hemisphere, as the, I believe it's the Monroe Doctrine declared. And uh, the Bush Doctrine said, okay, those of you that are enemies, uh, to, that, that uh, protect and house our enemies, you become also enemies of the United States of America. The values have not changed, but the methods had to change. And uh, our church as an institution in the 21st century, 2014, if we decide to get locked into the way we've always done things methodologically and stylistically, then this church will not make a difference uh, in the next generation. It's change or die. Not our values, but our methods and our approach. Uh, and Rick Warren wrote in his great book, The Purpose Driven Church, he said, the last words of a dying church are this. This. We've never done it that way before. Insisting that we hold on to the approach and style and methodology of the past. And I haven't come here today to talk about transition or change in an organization or even in our church. We will address that on Tuesday night. But I've come to talk about you personally and me my destiny and your destiny will require you to consciously burn some things from your past in order to step into the destiny that God has for you. You can't hold on endearingly to things from your past and expect to move in to your destiny and your future. One of the things that we've experienced in our family uh, with our three daughters is a challenge when it came time for them to do away with the bottle and to do away with the pacifier, or as we call it, the binky. What do they call it in your family? Binky. All right. So I remember, I'll never forget when uh, Brooklyn, where's Brooklyn at? There's Brooklyn. I'm going to preach about you, okay, Brooklyn? When she was a little girl, she was moving up to... Uh, towards her third birthday, second birthday, third birthday. It was time, second birthday. I can't remember the exact time, but uh, she was getting too old to be walking around with a binky in her mouth. It was becoming like a cigarette or something just hanging on her lips. Or she could talk with it. She could eat with it. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, 
I think it's time, you know. And, and they all had big holes in it because she had teeth. And so, uh, so we're like, hey, I think it's time for her to get rid of her binky. But it was such a part of her, such a security thing to her, that it was a real challenge to try to get her to release the binkies. And uh, we would have, I, I don't know why it is, but in our household, I could go out and buy 10 binkies. And by the end of the week, we're down to one. And we keep searching for that one. And we keep that one. We're able to keep that one, but the other nine we lose right away. And so it, it was time. Like, we finally got to get rid of the binky. And, and so we were thinking of how, how are we going to do this? Because uh, she would cry. She, wouldn't, she didn't want to release it. And so we went down uh, for dinner one time uh, during this time down to uh, Orange County, one of the piers uh, at San Clemente, one of our favorite places to go for birthday or anniversary. So we were out there, and um, we were looking over the pier down at the water and I was holding Brooklyn. We were looking over the edge. And uh, she uh, opened her mouth to say something. And her binky <laughs> fell out. Down from the pier, down into the ocean. And we looked at it fall. And she's like, oh, no, my binky. And uh, so I told her, I said, you know what? The baby fishies need your binky. So I told my wife, I said, it's time. So we came home that night, and it was bedtime, and she's like, Binky, where's my Binky? I want my Binky. Brooklyn, remember, you're getting too big for a Binky, but the baby fishies needed your Binky. And so she finally released it, and she finally moved on, and I'm thankful today that she does not still need a Binky. Although, whenever she saw one around the house, that's why we had to get rid of all of them in the house. We had to find all of them and get rid of them because if she found them, she would revert. And this was true of all of our kids when they ever they had to transition out of one stage into a new stage. There's certain things that you can't carry with you into your destiny. I'm sorry, guys, but you're not going to be able to go in the corporate world and take your binky with you. Right? And you're not going to be able to drive your tank into the, the war on terror. That's not going to work. You've got to be willing to release some things in order to step into your destiny. And this passage of Scripture that we read from the story of the life of Elijah, Elisha was this, that God put a calling on him. Through Elijah, the mantle was cast, and Elisha had an opportunity to enter into a phenomenal destiny that would include, eventually, a double portion of God's blessing and favor, and twice the number of supernatural miracles that Elijah experienced. And when destiny came calling, Elisha realized that I can't take my plow with me into my future. Come on, follow me. Take care of me. Wash my hands and make sure that I'm t taken care of. Uh, you're going to learn some things when you hang out with me, Elisha. Come and follow me. Come with me. And Elijah's thinking, can I take my plow with me? But then he realizes, I can't take my plow with me into my destiny. So he determined that he was going to burn his plow so that he could step into the destiny that God had for him. See, he had a choice to make. He could continue doing what he had always done. He was a farmer. His dad, no doubt, had been a farmer. His grandfather was a farmer. 
This was his life, and this was his mentality. It was his routine to work day after day behind the ox as the ox was pulling the plow as he guided it. But he had to make a decision, and the question was, is good enough good enough? Or is there something in me that wants something greater than what I've had before? Amen. Because too many people are satisfied with good enough. Too many people are satisfied with the routine. Too many people are satisfied with survival. And this can affect their career. This can uh, have to do with their home life uh, and their spiritual life as well. And my question to you today is, is good enough good enough? Or is there something in you that says, I believe that God has more for me. I believe there's a level of greater faith that I can step into and a, later, a level of greater effectiveness in ministry that God has for me. Amen. John 14, 12 says this. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus said, greater things than these shall ye do. So the focus of our life has got to be, we've got to tap into the greatness that God has available to us and the greater things that are available to us. And we are, many of us, living below the potential of what God can do in us, for us, and through us. But there's got to be a determination in our spirit that says, I'm following Jesus to the next level. I'm following Jesus into my destiny. I'm not going to go get so wrapped up in the way things used to be or the way things are right now that I can't accept uh, God's promotion into a higher level of faith and a higher level of effectiveness and power and anointing. Amen. And we have to come to this question and face this honest moment where we're gripped by the desire that I want to be a part of something that's making a difference. I know I'm pushing a plow and I know that I'm part of this survival of seeds being planted and harvest coming in next year. And I know in order for mom and dad and the kids to survive, this is what I've got to do. But there was something that got a hold of Elisha that said, I want to be a part of something that matters. And there are so many people who are unsatisfied with the kind of Christians that they've become and the version of the Christian life that they are experiencing. The reality is most believers aren't in imminent danger of ruining their lives, but they're facing a danger that's far greater, wasting their lives. You only have a certain amount of time on this planet. Are you going to make a difference in lives? Is God going to use you to impact a multitude of people or are you just going to survive? Amen. Do you ever feel like you're stuck between levels, Uh, not necessarily going backwards, but not making any progress either? Are you just living in a place of existence, like spiritually sleepwalking and stagnant in your faith? Uh, It's not that you're a failure, but neither could you be called a champion of faith and you're 
you're really not much further along than when you first came in relationship with Jesus Christ? Is there something in your spirit that says, I don't want to live my spiritual life on cruise control, but I want my life to count. I want to step in to the destiny that God has for me. I want to cross over into the promised land. I want to be able to fight battles and take territories and eat from the land of milk and honey. I want to access what God has for me. Amen. And I don't want my worship to be relegated just to Sundays. I want to live a lifestyle of worship. Amen. I don't want my ministry to be confirmed inside the walls of the church, but I want to make it happen. I don't want it to be confined in here, but I want it to go outside. And I want to reach lost people for Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm talking about your life making a difference. Because I know you get up every morning, hit the alarm clock, boom. You get up, you make breakfast, and you brush your teeth. You get up, you make sure your socks match your outfit, and you walk out the door. Then you run back in because you forgot your knapsack or your bag or your briefcase or your purse or your phone or your keys, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you go back and you get in the car and you drive to work the same way. You don't even have to move the steering wheel. It goes by itself. You go to work. You work hard. You make sure that things are taken care of. And you go through the routine. You come home. You get lunch together, dinner together for the family or uh, whatever it is that your routine is. And then a little while later, you find yourself getting sleepy and uh, going to bed after maybe you've entertained yourself for a little bit. Uh, and you find yourself in a routine day after day after day. And maybe one day you wake up and ask yourself a question. Is my life making a difference uh, in anybody else's life? Am I doing anything of any internal eternal value? Or am I just surviving and eating groceries? Come on, somebody. But there's something in my spirit today that says I want to make a difference. Uh, and I want the members of the body of Christ uh, to be empowered uh, and to feel the anointing that God has called you to make a difference in the lives of little people, big people, fat people, skinny people, red, yellow, black, and white, regardless of their language, they've got an eternal soul, and they're going somewhere. If you want God to use you, I'm asking, are you willing to step into your destiny? Greater things than these shall ye do. Not just the apostles, not just the disciples, not just the paid staff of a church. Come on, somebody. Not just those that travel for a living and have been gifted somehow supernaturally by some spiritual gifts. But there's got to be something that awakens in you that says, I want what the Word of God promises. And I refuse to let the experiences of my past or the limitations imposed on myself by my own failures to keep me hemmed into where I am. But there's something inside of me that says, God, I'm ready to go forward. I'm ready to follow Elijah. I'm ready to move into gifts. I'm ready to move into to the anointing. I'm ready to be used of God to transform other lives. Hallelujah. Come on. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. When you got the Holy Ghost, your Holy Ghost wasn't just your ticket to heaven. But Jesus said to his disciples, ye shall receive power. Dunamis. Amen. Power to be a witness. Amen. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you didn't get the Holy Ghost so you could do parlor tricks and speak strange languages. 
You didn't get the Holy Ghost so you could shake and shudder and uh, fall on the ground. But you got the Holy Ghost so you could make a difference in somebody else's life. And there is a challenge of God going forward. Are you happy with the routine? Is it okay that you got enough money to survive? Or is there something in your spirit that says, I want to be a part of greater things? Oh, come on, somebody. You've got to wake up, O thou that slumberest and sleeps. You've got to stir up the gift that's been put in you by the laying on of hands. It's not too late. Greater things than these shall you do. You've got to have faith to believe that God is able to do exceeding and abundantly more than you can ask or think. Jesus said, are you listening now or have you gone to sleep on me? Jesus said, anyone who has faith in me can do greater things than these. Not just preachers, not just the rich and famous or the powerful, but anybody that believes in him will do greater things. Uh, Something's got to get a hold of you and you've got to believe that. These signs shall follow them that believe. The supernatural power of the Spirit uh, is an endorsement uh, of the Word. Amen. You can't claim to be Spirit-filled and Spirit-led and not experience the supernatural in your life. So are you ready to open your mind to that above and beyond, to that exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, to that which goes beyond even our imagination. See, because sometimes we have this idea of how God's going to work. And God says, okay, that's cool, but that's not my plan. i got a better plan. Uh-huh. i got a better plan. Now, all you can think of is, because your Cold War mentality, you've been driving your tank so long. And your Cold War mentality, and God's like, nope, 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 this is the new era of spiritual warfare, and this is how I'm going to empower you, and this is how I'm going to help you. So are you ready to open your imagination to the possibility that God has a vision for your life that is greater than you even imagined? Amen. Greater. Greater than a life spent aimlessly wandering in cyberspace and social media. Come on. Greater than empty earthly success that brings no eternal reward. Greater. Look at somebody and say greater. God has greater things. Greater than the shame that tethered to you like a stone from the sins of your past. Greater than the abuse you suffered at the hands of people you once trusted. God has greater things. Greater than the hell you've been through and greater than the trials of your life. Uh, Come on, somebody. God has greater things in the future that are greater even than the greatest moments you've had thus far in life. Greater. (laughs) I come to encourage somebody. I come to boost up your faith. Greater things than these. Greater things. I don't have to look back to the past and say, remember the good old days when they used to hang crutches up on the wall? Remember the good old days people got up out of wheelchairs and... All kinds of great, powerful things. We danced around the pot-bellied stove. Everybody dancing around the pot-bellied stove in Jesus' name, and nobody got burnt, praise God, the good old days. 
looking back at the good old days. Remember when the power of spirit used to fall over there in Rosemead? Oh, glory. And people walk around the church. It was so awesome. Greater things. I'm talking about greater things. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about God taking drug addicts. Not just drug addicts, but gang leaders and filling them with the Holy Ghost to turn their world on fire. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about bank presidents and physicians and political leaders and multimillionaires being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and getting hungry for truth. Because let me tell you what, truth is universal. It doesn't matter what color you are or how much money you got. When you see truth, you're like, I want it. I've got to have it. And we are going to stand as an example of truth. Greater. Can I take my plow with me? I'll come, but can I take my plow with me? That thing's gonna, that's going to burden you down. You've got to burn some things in order to step into it. Can I say this right now out of left field? I have never met an unhappy soul winner. Woo! I have never met an unhappy soul winner. Once it gets a hold of you, that when I come to church on Sunday, it's not about feed me a good word. Come on now. Sing my favorite song so I can get my groove on. Come on. I need to be encouraged because I just drug myself in here by the nap of my neck. But God's plan is that you walk in here with a mission. You walk in here with your eyes focused. You got some people you invited to church and you're hoping they're going to show up. You got some people you've been calling on the phone during the week that used to come to church and maybe missed a couple weeks and you wonder if they're going to be here and you're going to pray with them and you're going to make a difference in your in their life. Come on, somebody. There's got to be some people that stand up and say, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be a part of the greater that God has promised and planned for this life that I'm living on this planet it right now. Hallelujah. What would happen? What would happen if you just decided? Guess what? Ordinary just won't do. Good enough is not good enough. What would happen if you committed your life to excellence through Christ? What if you committed your life to believe in God for massive things and tell people think you're crazy? Amen. God spoke to me this week and I told a couple people, I told a number of people, maybe I should have kept it to myself because a couple of people are like, that's crazy, dude. That's crazy. Don't do that. That's a waste of time. But then they're like, oh, well, you know what? It doesn't hurt. But I felt prompted to do it. Amen. I just feel crazy faith on me right now. And I wonder if there's some people in this house, uh, that person who doesn't seem like there's a, a chance in a million that they'd ever serve God. But if God prompts you to call them, get your phone and call them. God's going to start speaking to some of you subtly in a still, small voice. And you're going to be sitting there waiting for the whirlwind and waiting for the earthquake and waiting for God to grab you by the nap of your neck, take you and get in your ear and say, please call Jim. Hey, listen to me right now. If you call Jim, I'll be there with you. He's not going to do that, but you've got to listen to the sensitive voice of the Lord, the still, small voice of the Lord, and have some boldness and some faith in your spirit that says, I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission for the Lord. I'm on a mission for Jesus Christ. I've got His anointing on me. I've got His Spirit in me. And every day is an adventure. There are greater things that are available for me. Come on, somebody. I hope I'm speaking somebody's language here right now because there are greater things that God has for you. You don't have to settle. 
Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up, threw his cloak around him. God began talking about Elisha to Elijah. He was just doing his thing, plowing in a field, unaware that God was planning greater things for him. Plowing is tedious work. Plowing behind the oxen. It's good steady work. And, and it provides. But it's routine. And every day, Elijah got behind the plow. And every day, he smelled the same smell. And it came from the backside of the huge farm animal called an ox. That's what he smelled every day. That was his life. It wasn't a bad life. As somebody said, it is what it is. Even though your life may be good, God may be working something better for you that will bring Him glory or honor. Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm not telling you to quit doing what you're doing and go do something else. Maybe God's calling you to do the same thing you've been doing, but do it in a better way with more passion and greater sense of destiny. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Maybe step, not step into something new, but step up into a better way of doing the same thing that you're already doing. Amen. You are called to do more than just mindless plowing and mindless routine. Same old, same old Christianity. Same old spiritual rut. Same old spiritual survival mode. But the greater things start right now. The Bible says Elijah took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah. He burned the equipment and cooked the meat. He took the instruments of his livelihood and used them for fire so he could grill the oxen. It was a time of complete surrender for Elisha. He said, Everything that I am, I'm surrendering it to God's call. But notice, he was called to follow Elijah. We're not called to follow Elijah. We're called to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. And a lot of times people are like, well, I want to do greater things. I want to be greater. And they, they launch out, but, but it doesn't work. And why? Because you've got to start from the right starting point. And it begins, it begins with striking a match. It begins by burning the plows of the life you leave in order to say, Jesus, I'll do what you want me to do. Let me tell you what it's called. It's called, at the beginning stage, it's called repentance. You can't be born again until you die out to the old man. You can't become a new creature in Christ and hold on to the vestiges of the old creature. And many people never make it to greater things because they don't come out from behind the plow. They continue, continue with the mindless repetition. But you have to burn your plow. You may say, what in the world are you talking about? I ain't got a plow. What is your plow? Your plow is what changed you, chained you to your past or to the ordinary. It could be anything. Maybe it is a job. That's not in line with what God's called you to do. So what do I do? Do I quit my job? Nope. 
Keep working your job, but have a good attitude and maybe start looking for something else. Don't quit your job till you get another job. Is that, is that plain? Is that straightforward? Don't quit your job till you get another job. Maybe it's the passionless and purposeless approach you take toward the job you have right now and where God is calling you to remain. Maybe your plow is an old way of thinking, a small paradigm about what God wants to do in your life and through your life. It's too small. It's too insignificant. See, there are some things in our mindset that we have to burn. It may not be a physical thing. Maybe it's a way of thinking that has to burn in order for us to step into His destiny. Jesus said, nobody's going to put new wine into an old wineskin. He was speaking to the Pharisees. And he was talking about their way of thinking is going to preclude them from being filled with the baptism of the Spirit. They're not going to receive the Spirit because of their philosophy and their mindset. In Acts chapter 10, the tablecloth comes down from heaven. And it's full of, uh, you know, lobsters and shrimp and bacon and all this stuff that Jewish people aren't supposed to eat. And the Lord said, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And, and Peter's like, no, Lord, I've never partaken of anything that's unclean. The Lord said, why would you call unclean what I have made clean? He said, I'm, I'm getting ready to bring revival to the Gentiles. I'm getting ready to turn the church upside down. I'm ready to impact the entire world with this gospel message, not just your little sect of individuals. And, uh, and you can't enter into this revival with that old mindset. Amen. And there are some things, amen, in our mind, ways of thinking that we have to release in order to step into the destiny that God has for us. What about faith? What about faith? Uh, are you living a life that's a little too safe, a lifestyle that's a little too comfortable and tends to factor out God? I'm challenging you to step into a lifestyle that is characterized by having confidence in God. Maybe that's your plow. Maybe you trust yourself and your own abilities too much. Uh, maybe you haven't learned to trust God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8 says this, But now ye also put off all these things. Put them off. Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Anger, wrath, malice. Some of you may have some lingering negative emotions from things that have happened in your past. And I can promise you right now that those things will keep God's best from happening in your life. And some of you need to burn the plow. Amen. Amen. You've been riding behind that smelly thing long enough. Uh, you need to burn the plow. But you don't know how they hurt me and what they did to me and how they mistreated me and how I wasn't respected and, and all of this. You need to burn that right now. So many people let the hurts and the failures and the pains of their past uh, keep them from stepping into their destiny. But I've come today to tell you that you can't take your plow with you and you can't take that stinky ox with you. You've got to forgive and forget uh, so that you can move on. Put these things off. Can I challenge you and let you know that your resentment, your bitterness, your anger is keeping you from God's best. There is no greater for you until you burn that plow. 
Amen. Listen to me right now. There is no greater for you because it's part of your mindset now. It's part of the way you think. It's the filter through which you filter everything in life. It's the lens through which you look at everything. And it's going to affect what you can even see by faith or where you can go. So you better let it go. Amen. Amen. You know, you know, a plow creates a furrow. You know where furrows are? Furrows are in your brain. If you see your brain, it's filled with furrows. Furrows represent ways of thinking. And some of you have ridden behind a plow in a particular furrow and a way of thinking in your mind for so long about resentment, bitterness, anger, wish to get back at somebody, wish to show somebody. You've been doing that so long that it comes so natural to you and it feels like who you are and what you ought to do. But I'm challenging you today. In order to step into the destiny that God has for you, you've got to burn that plow. It doesn't matter if they physically hurt you. It doesn't matter if it was sexual abuse. It doesn't matter what it was from your past that brought the hurt and pain to you. As long as you hold on to that plow and keep walking behind that ox, you'll never step into the destiny that God has for you. That's why you've got to forgive them who have hurt you. Forgive them that have done wrong to you. Not so they can be blessed or benefited, but it's for your blessing and your benefit. You've got to burn the plow. Come on, somebody. You've got to shake it off into the fire. Because as long as you hold on to it, as long as you keep walking behind it, you're going to stay that same person and you're going to, not going to step into the destiny that God has for you. Amen. Get it out of your mouth. Get it off of you. I shared this before. I'm going to share it again because it's good. You know what it is? These negative emotions, the, cool, the, 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 the unfortunate thing is you can get rid of all of them and there's going to be some new ones that come. Because you still got to live with people with different personalities and different agendas and so forth. And you're not going to agree with everybody. So you're going to see these negative emotions start trying to lay themselves up on you again. And the Bible says you got to put them off. Put them off. Amen. When your boss makes you mad, put it off. When your spouse makes you mad, put it off. When your kids make you mad, put it off. Don't stew in it. Come on, somebody. Don't stew in it. Put it off. I use this example. I think it's a good example. We get so used to these negative emotions that we carry them around like a, a child with a dirty diaper, right? And we start stinking, right? And everybody knows it but us because it's our stink. Uh-huh. And so I'm just going to walk around with the mom says, I've got to change your diaper and you run off. You know what I'm talking about where everybody's like, why won't that mama change that diaper? Am I going to have to change that diaper? Amen. That's the way some of us are with our negative emotions and feelings about other people or hurt or offenses that have happened in our life or people that have done us wrong. We carry it around with us and it keeps us from stepping into our destiny. But listen to the preacher today. You got to burn your plow. You got to stop walking that furrow. You got to stop walking behind that stinky thing and burn it up because God has a destiny and a purpose for you and you can't take your plow with you. In Hebrew, Hebrews, it says, wherefore we are compassed about, Hebrews 11, I believe it is, with so great cloud of witness, 12, 12, 1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It says to lay aside the weight and the sin which keeps us from being able to move to where we want to go, which keeps us from being able to run the race that's set before us, uh, that keeps us from being able to step into the destiny and the purpose that God has for us. Uh, God's not going to take it from you. You've got to lay it aside. 
God's not going to take it from you. You've got to lay it aside. It's a conscious choice that I'm not carrying this anymore. It's a conscious choice that I'm not doing this anymore. It's a conscious choice that I'm not falling into this trap anymore. Amen. I'm not carrying this weight any longer. Amen. I remember when I grew up, it was old-fashioned, old-school church uh, that people would get the Holy Ghost. uh, And they'd go home and they'd pour all their whiskey and beer and everything down the toilet. And they'd throw it out and they'd get rid of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, Where they would come up and they would be drug paraphernalia they'd throw up on the altar. And people bring their cigarettes and their tobacco and throw it up on the altar. Come on, somebody. They would take their old uh, music full of filthy language, filthy words, and they would take it. And we'd have a big burning. You know why? Because we're laying it aside. You can't have new life until you burn up the old life. You can't step into your destiny and carry that junk with you. You've got to burn your plow. Whether it's resentment, whether it's an attitude, whether it's conduct, whether it's sin. You've got to say, anything that is keeping me from stepping into greater. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm getting rid of it. What about the weight? What about the weight? What's the weight? I shared with many of you before, the weight is the guilt or condemnation that we feel because of the sins of our past that we carry with us. See, because when you repent of your sins, the Bible says you're forgiven. You don't have to carry the penalty of it any longer. You're right with God. It's not a hindrance or a barrier between you and God anymore. But it still can be a weight. What do you mean? Because when you have done something in the past and you ask God to forgive you, after God has forgiven you, then you got to forgive yourself. Because if you choose not to forgive yourself, it becomes a weight of condemnation that you carry around. And you're carrying around a weight. And think about this. You refuse to forgive yourself of something that God forgave you of. Who are you? Who are you to keep holding against yourself something that God doesn't even hold against you? I'm talking to somebody right now that you need to shake off the weight. Uh, You need to lay aside the weight. You need to make a conscious choice of, you know, I feel bad and I'm not stepping into ministry and I'm not doing what God calls me to do, has called me to do, because I feel guilty about something that happened six months ago, two years ago, five years ago, 25 years ago, and I'm still carrying it around. This is not the will of God. You better burn that plow. Come on, somebody. You better burn. Burn that plow. Because you can't run with all that weight. You can't carry that into your destiny with you. You've got to consciously choose. I'm going to lay it aside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to forgive yourself today. Somebody needs to release yourself from a a sense of dread or a sense of condemnation because of the failures of your past and say, okay, God, if you forgive me, I'm going to forgive me too. If you love me, I'm going to love me too. Amen. Praise God. If you believe I can do it, then I'm going to believe that I can do it. It's a human tendency. God says, I'm going to use you. And you're like, who? Surely you're not talking about me. You've got to say, okay, God, I burn up that old attitude and that old mindset that says I can't do it or I shouldn't do it or I won't do it. And I accept the word of God that is speaking to me right now. I receive the mantle that says I can be an anointed soul winner. I can make a difference where I work. I can make a difference among the people that I live with. And I'm telling you right now, you have got to choose to put off the weight. So if you walk out of here and you still feel guilty, guess what? That ain't from God. 
If you ask God to forgive you and you still feel guilty, that's not from God. Your own heart is condemning you. You have to consciously tell your heart, knock it off. Come on, somebody. You have no right to do that. God has forgiven me, and I forgive myself. And I refuse to bear this load of weight. I am going to burn the plow. Praise God. Hallelujah. As the apostle said, and finally, my brethren and sistren, finally, you've got to burn it. What does that mean? You've got to have some fuego. You've got to have some fire. Fire. Everybody say fire. You've got to have some fire. It's interesting. The Bible says that we are to be baptized in the water and in the fire. The Bible says that you've got to be born of the water and the Spirit. The spirit baptism, we see in the book of Acts that there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Jesus said, I shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So there are two baptisms. There's the water baptism and there's the spirit baptism. Just like in the Old Testament, they came through the Red Sea, water baptism, and then they were baptized in the cloud, spirit baptism. And at night, that cloud became a pillar of fire, same fire baptism. Do you know that the earth itself is going to be baptized twice? The first time it was baptized with water. If you don't know about that, talk to Noah about it. He knows about what happened. The earth was baptized with water. What does that mean? It was purged or cleansed with water. But the apostle Peter said, next time it ain't going to be water, but the earth is going to be purged with fire. It's going to melt with a fervent heat. There's going to be a purging. Two of the most powerful cleansing agents on the planet are water and fire. Water washes off impurities and fire burns out impurities. That's why you've got to be baptized in the water. Amen. For the remaining mission of your sins and baptized in the Spirit so you can be sanctified by the Spirit that burns and purges out the vestiges of the old man and the old nature. You've got to have some fire. Oh, come on, somebody. You've got to have some fire to burn the plow. But I want you to notice what the fire was made out of. The fire was consuming. The fire had to have something to consume or there wouldn't be a fire. Mm -hmm. The only way there could be a fire if there was something to consume. And what was it consuming? It was consuming the plow. It was consuming that thing that he decided that has tethered me to my past long enough, but I'm going to use it to create a fire to bring revival and transformation to my life. It was the implements of the ox. It was the implements, the plow and the yoke of the ox that created the fire, that gave the fire a place to burn, to bring revival to his life. And I've seen it happen before that when people decide, I have decided to follow Jesus. And they make decisions that I'm not going to go those places anymore. And I'm not going to do those things anymore. And I'm not going to think that way anymore. And I'm not going to hold that resentment against that person anymore. I know it's been a part of my life long enough, but I have decided to follow Jesus. That the fire of revival begins to strike their life. That transformation and change begins to happen in them when the fire of the Spirit and the fire of the anointing begins to burn in them. Hallelujah. Acts 28, uh, Acts 28, 3. 
Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, laid them on the fire. There came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said amongst themselves, No doubt this man's a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, the, the, the storm didn't take him out. Vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or should have fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while, they're waiting for him to drop dead. They're waiting for him to stop breathing. They're waiting for him to swell up like a balloon. And after they looked for a great while and noticed he wasn't swelling and he wasn't falling, what happened? They said they saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a God. And Paul said, nope, I'm not a God, but I represent one. And I've got a message for you. And revival came to Melita that day. But listen to me right now. He shook what should have destroyed him and what should have hindered his future off into the fire. The thing that should have took, taken him out. The thing that should have destroyed him. The thing that should have hampered his future. He shook it off into the fire. And everybody's looking at you and wondering, how could you go through that and still be alive? How could you go through that and still be breathing? Watch him. He's going to fall down. Watch him. He's going to lose faith in God. Watch her. She's going to walk away from Jesus. But they'll watch for a while. They'll watch for a while. And all of a sudden, they'll realize, hey, you know what? They haven't fallen yet. There's something in them that's given them the power to go through the serpent bite, to go through the pain, to go through the destruction and live it out. Whatever it is that's threatening to take you out, whether it's a bad attitude, come on, it'll take you out if you let it fester long enough. Whatever it is that threatens to take you out, maybe it's a bad habit. You keep doing it, you'll end up with your brain spilled on the freeway. You know what I'm talking about. But that very thing that ought to take you out... Uh, if you'll get close enough to the fire and shake it off in the fire, there is not only deliverance from the beast, but there is deliverance from the lingering effects of the beast and the venom of the beast. I'm talking about revival in the fire right now. I'm talking about not even experiencing the failures of your past, what it produces in your life. I want you to stand and praise Him right now. Holy Ghost, right now, move in this place. Come on, lift up your hands right now. I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody praise Him right now. Jesus, we worship You. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Hmm. You're pushing the plow. It's a heavy burden. Week after week, it's the same. I go to work. I pick up the kids. I fix dinner. I go to sleep. I come to church. I try to get my head lifted a little bit try to make it through another week and by Saturday by Saturday I'm barely breathing spiritually and I come in and worship team has to provide resuscitation they have to do the Heimlich maneuver 
bring me back to spiritual life again. And then I go out back into the same routine. When I talk about routine, I'm not necessarily talking about the physical routine, but I'm talking about the routine of the way that you think, the doubt that you carry, condemnation, the fear about your future and the anxiety. That's not God's plan for your life. Somebody needs to stand up right now and say, I'm tired of this. I'm sick and tired. This is not God's plan for my life. To carry this resentment, to carry this hatred, and to try to survive spiritually with the undertow pain of my past and my failures. Or to continue to try living for God when sin is ravaging me and putting a wedge between me and my Creator. I don't have to do that anymore. I choose to light up a fire. I choose to take all of these things that tether me to the way I've been thinking, the way I've been acting, and the inferior life I've been living. Is it good enough? Maybe it's good enough. Jesus said greater things than these shall you do. If there's anybody here in this place that says, Lord, I want to step into my destiny of greater. I want your anointing to flow in my life. I want to win a soul this year. I want to be a part of the mission of the church rather than just a person that comes and shows up. And I want your spirit to flow through me. If there's anybody here that has that desire, that passion, your spirit, I want you to meet with me right up here right now. We're going to pray together before we leave this house. Is there anybody here that hears the call of greater, greater things than these shall you do in my name? Hallelujah. Come on, thank you. Let's
right now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak with your still, small voice. What is it in my life? What is it in my life that's keeping me from shifting to the new season? What is it I've been holding on to? Is there somebody I need to forgive? Do I need to forgive myself and release that? Say, I I refuse to hold on to that any longer. I can't take that into my new season, into the new destiny that you have. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is it bad feelings or negativity? I pray, Lord Jesus, let me put it on the fire right now, Lord God. Because I want to walk clean and free from all the residue of yesterday, Lord God. I want to step in, Lord Jesus, with a keen eye and a fresh face into the anointing that you have for me. In the name of the Lord. God, if I need to go home, if I need to go home and get rid of some stuff, speak to me right now, Lord God. Because I don't want to keep struggling with the same thing and be the same place a year from now that I am right now. But God, I want you to speak to me right now. If I need to go home and make a phone call and forgive somebody and see that a relationship is restored, speak to me right now, Lord God. Because I don't want to let it hinder me or keep me from stepping into your destiny for my life. God, today I'm making a conscious choice. Somebody say it right now. I'm burning the plow because I'm stepping forward, Lord Jesus, uh, into the destiny and the power that you have for me. If you feel that way, lift up your hands right now as a sign of surrender and say, God, I give it all up to you right now. Everything that ties me to the the past, everything that ties me to yesterday, my failures and weaknesses, Lord God, I I release and surrender it to you, Jesus. Give me of sins, things that I've committed and done, things that I haven't done that I should have done. I'm asking you to forgive me right now and cleanse me inside and out. Come on, pray it right now. Of all the failures, mistakes, tendencies, inconsistencies, I'm asking you to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me in Jesus' name. Come on, ask Him, ask Him, ask Him from your heart. Jesus, I'm sorry. For the times I failed you, I'm sorry, Lord, for this times this week that I followed my flesh into sin, into disobedience. And I pray that you would forgive me and cleanse me right now, Lord. I want to be a new creature in you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. 
And Lord Jesus, I commit right now to forgive those who have trespassed against me, those that have hurt me, those that have mistreated me. Right now, Lord God, I consciously decide to forgive them. Come on, speak it right now. God, I make up my mind I'm going to forgive them and not hold resentment against them. And Lord Jesus, I make a choice right now to cancel the debt uh, that they owe to me. In the name of Jesus, I pray for it. Uh, In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The last thing we're going to do here is I'm going to in just a moment ask you to raise your hands again. Because the Bible says that he would pour new wine into new wineskins. And I want to ask the Lord to pour a fresh baptism of his spirit, the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace, the spirit of assurance into your life. If you've already asked him to forgive you, I am of the firm conviction that you've been cleansed inside and out by the blood of the Lamb right now. And I want you to lift up your hands right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would pour into vessels right now. I pray that refreshing would come to them. I pray that the joy of the Lord would pour into their heart. I pray for peace that passes all understanding. Come on, let the Holy Spirit fill you right now. Let it flood you. Until it begins to flow out of you, like John said, like a river of living water flowing up unto life everlasting. There it is. Hallelujah. Here it comes. Hallelujah. There's fresh, 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 fresh wine, fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh vision, fresh faith. Not the old stuff, not the stale stuff. Fresh anointing.
Let's get, put our hands together and thank God for the, that His Word is a message of hope. The Word of God is a message of hope for our future. Amen. For our destiny. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anybody feel liberty, peace, joy in the house? Yeah, you got an assignment right now. Before you leave, I need you to go to at least, and this is just getting up there, five people. Five people. And I want you to look at them. I want you to smile. And I want you to say, you're going forward. You're going forward. Come on. Find somebody and say it right now. Find somebody. You're going forward. You're going forward. You're going forward. Remember, don't forget to smile. You're going forward. God bless you on this family Sunday.